I'm here to be an all-time great. great. Now rocking with the best. Perfect yellow, perfect yellow, perfect yellow, perfect yellow. The Lakers repeat back-to-back title. Welcome to the Big Baby Jonathan Sports Podcast. Oh, he's smoking hot. The latest Laker news. Another great Showtime feed. The greatest Laker show. This is going to be legendary for a long time. This is the Big Baby Jonathan Sports Podcast. Lakers all day. Go Lakers! What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Big Baby Jonathan here. Welcome to the latest edition of the Big Baby Jonathan Sports Podcast show. On the line right now on Zoom, I got Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com. How's it going, Trevor Lane? Going good, going good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Just staying busy during this quarantine with this podcasting. I have a lot of Laker content I put out each and every day, man. I love what I do. I'm very passionate. Well, it's always a good thing, you know. I mean, when you when you love what you do, then it doesn't feel like work, does it? And it, it helps keep you sane during these troubling times, too. That's for sure. Yeah, and also, guys, forgot to mention, uh, my boy Alex Hines is going to produce the show today he has his own show called get at, get it right and also uh, don't add me with Mikel pg so he's a producer of today's show let's get on into it guys question one um what was the process that you led to becoming a writer for LakerNation.com? uh for getting to lakers nation i mm-hmm. a long time ago you know just fell in love with with writing back when i was in in school and uh was something that i've always been interested in and so i i started and stopped a number of different novels and things like that that just I can never follow through with because I was always so focused on basketball and Lakers basketball specifically because that was what I grew up on I was winding winding up spending all my writing time you know digging through rumors and things to see who the Lakers were going to trade for and all that and so uh so I said you know what you got to write what you love and so I started up my own uh blog and got picked up by one site from from that and then Mm -hmm. from there got an offer to come join Lakers Nation. Uh, originally, I was writing one editorial for them a week, and that was it. That was the the extent of my role, and it's grown uh, over the years. And now I'm doing their their podcasts and their video content, and and still doing some writing as well. Yeah, man, I love the work that you do. You put out great content, man. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And then uh, next question number two: Do you think there will be an NBA season? Yeah, you know what? I, I've been saying it from day one. I'm holding out hope that it will happen. There is. Uh, you know, obviously there's a little bit of selfish, you know, bias coming into play here because the mm-hmm. Lakers are sitting in the one seed and I'd like to see them have a, a shot to, you know, be in the playoffs for the first time in six years and mm-hmm. have a pretty decent shot of winning an NBA championship this year. So I've been trying to stay optimistic partially because of that, but also just there's so much money out there, um, mm-hmm. so much on the line. I feel like if there's any way possible to make it happen, they're going to figure out something it won't look like what we're used to but at some point i think something will happen and we'll wind up with some version of the nba playoffs and i just also think that it will be such a big thing for the country for for the morale of basketball fans to see the nba season actually come to some sort of a conclusion i think it'll be a big deal do you think yeah, that so the I, season if it does come back else. though like the the idea that we've all heard is that there would be no fans you know mm-hmm. no fans in the stadium We saw the UFC fight the other night where there were no fans in attendance, and it really does change up the atmosphere and also the reactions of, in that instance, the fighters. But for the NBA, you see that the fan interaction and the crowd interaction is so 
important and imperative for these players to have because it really does sway advantages to the left or the right in terms of which teams are visiting and also the home team advantage. Do you think that without the fan interaction, players are going to stumble to try and adjust? Oh, players are going to stumble trying to adjust, period. I mean, taking two months, maybe three months off of no training and then to jump back into it, we're going to see some ugly basketball. There's no question about that. And then you throw in what you're talking about, no audience. Um, that's going to be tough. And that's where, that's why like your, your Jared Dudley's of the world are going to make their money because those guys on the bench are going to have to be really, really fired up and really vocal to keep their guys going. Um, that is kind of the downside is if when you're one of the top four seeds in either conference, you don't even get a round of home court advantage, assuming they go with this bubble plan and you see all the players housed in either Orlando or Las Vegas, there is no home court advantage. So what you've been working for all year is kind of gone, but at the same time, we're at a point where it's that or no basketball, right? And so if that's the choice, I'll take, you know, no fans in the arena and getting to see basketball. You know, you mentioned the UFC fights the other night. Those were amazing. I, I, I loved Agreed. those. That was so much fun. And it, it felt like a little bit of normalcy again, which was, uh, which was great. So, yeah, it was a little bit weird that there's no crowd there. But, I mean, we're craving live sports so badly right now that, that you'll take it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it, man. This season has been good for the Lakers, 49 and 14. And I want the season to come back. We got to win this championship for Kobe, man. The 2020 has been hitting us hard, then passing. Rest in peace, Kobe. And if we can come back and win this championship, this will be the craziest season I've been a part of. You know what I mean? I'm excited. Hopefully, the season comes back. But I saw Jarrett Dudley. You retweeted it because I didn't see it. People were sending it to me because Jarrett Dudley blocked me. What was Jarrett Dudley talking about on Twitter yesterday? You know? So uh, Dudley, he, he said um, uh, he was responding to somebody else and he said mm. two months, uh, we've missed two months and now one month to go. Mm. And so people took that as, hey, what do you, what do you know? Mm-hmm. Do you know something? You know, do you know that something's going to be happening? Uh, I know Dudley has mentioned that he was on the call with Adam Silver uh, this past Friday where all the players were invited in to go and kind of ask questions and, and get a feel for what's going on uh, at the NBA level. And so he was part of that. And so he said one more month to go. And some people took that as he means one more month where the NBA will have to make a definite decision. So you're looking at like mid-June. Or some people took that as, hey, one more month and we're coming back because we know the training facilities are starting to open up. Uh, He, he, Not that I've seen anyway. He didn't clarify on that one. He did make a comment the other day as well um, that his impression was that Adam Silver was – sort of implying that the NBA season could run all the way through October and he'd be okay with that if that meant finishing up the season. So, uh, you know, I don't know what to take away from all of that other mm-hmm. than it doesn't sound like a decision one way or another is necessarily coming in the next week or two weeks. We could be another month down the road. Do you think that they're going to, Lakers are going to open up their practice facilities this weekend? Because I know last week uh, Shams tweeted that we're targeting May 16th. Have you heard anything different? No, yeah, it seems like that's that's what they're shooting for is to open them open it up May sixteenth. Um, it'll be it'll be voluntary. In fact, that was one of the big topics. Was uh, Chris Paul had brought that up mm-hmm. that um, that some players felt a little uncomfortable that there were some teams that made it seem like even though it was voluntary and I'm using air quotes um, that it was feeling more non voluntary, like they were pressuring players to go and they didn't want that. But I think given where this Lakers team is at if and when they open up the practice facilities, there's going to be players there. Dudley already said he'd be there. Alex Caruso said he'd be there. Uh, but that is another point of emphasis for the teams, though, too, is they don't necessarily want it getting out who's there and who's not because they don't want a situation where 
a player who just doesn't feel safe or secure going into the practice facility at this point is getting ridiculed for not going. So, but, but my guess would be that the majority of the Lakers are there. You know, I got a question for you. We hear that the NBA is considering doing some type of program where players who do get sick, if they do happen to return, right, they'll be out for two weeks to quarantine. They'll be checked every day, tested, yada, yada, yada. I'm of the camp where if that's the only solution that we have right now, that creates a major disadvantage for not only that team, but other teams. And it almost creates a playoff situation where similar to having uh, your best player being out with an injury, you know, it's not fair to that team as well as the other teams, because you're not getting the right competition. You're not getting to the competition that you actually want. If the Lakers end up having to play a playoff series with, without LeBron James because of having COVID, then it creates an unfair situation where revenue isn't given as much as it should have been received. The fans aren't pleased. The players aren't pleased. Nobody's pleased because of it. So because of that, I'm of the camp where if that's the only solution, I'd rather risk not having an NBA season come back this year to outweigh this whole epidemic. And granted, you know, this is going to come in waves. It's not something that's going to be a one-time thing and disappear. It's going to come in waves. But by the by that point, hopefully, there will be some type of treatment where we don't have to necessarily worry about guys getting this virus and having to be out for two weeks. It could potentially be they acquire it and then they end up getting healed by some vaccination or at that point, some type of immunity strain that is built similar to what we have with the flu every year where you're given a flu shot. And I don't know about you and I want to get your perspective on that. Do you Mm -hmm. think that with that scenario, you would be willing to play an NBA season with those risks or would you rather not? I mean, I'm not one of the people putting myself on the floor. And so maybe it's a little bit easier for me to, to say it. But yes, I would I would rather play the NBA season. And part of that is because it's not like if you say, hey, you know what? Let's just cancel this season and then everything's good next season. We can start fresh. No, I mean, the NBA is preparing as though this is going to be an issue next season as well. It's not going away anytime soon. So realistically, they're looking at it as the only solution, the only true solution is a vaccine. And so if you get that, then great. Until then, what can they do to mitigate the risk as much as possible, knowing that there's no way to make zero risk? There's no way to create a perfect situation. That world simply doesn't exist anymore. So with that being the case, you know, you kind of have to take what you can. I mean, you would hate to see an entire NBA season thrown away, knowing that doing so doesn't guarantee that you're getting a healthy season following that. It's not like you're definitely going to get a full 2020 slash 2021 season. Uh, because that you put a stop to this current season. So with with that being the case, yeah, I would I would still go ahead and, and play it. I know it's tough. Yes, it would definitely be be a tough situation, especially if a superstar player did uh, did test positive and then they're out. But that's kind of the the playoffs too. I mean, injuries dictate things. You look at you know Carl Malone getting injured. How much did that impact the 04 finals? There's been you know there's injuries every single year that that teams have to deal with. The number of years that Yao Ming went down for the Rockets and and so on and so on. So um, it, it was just an unfortunate reality that we're in. But all teams would have to deal with it. Yeah, man, we would have to deal with it. Keep it pushing. And uh, also, what's your thoughts about the NBA canceling the draft combine and the draft lottery? Well, it, it just came out um, about an hour ago mm-hmm. that they're trying to set up a virtual draft combine mm-hmm. and they're asking teams to say, you know, hey, who are your top guys? Who are the guys that you really want to be there? Mm-hmm. Um, it makes a lot of sense. I think that the NBA is going to do everything they can to 
to wait on a decision, to wait on doing anything definite, as frustrating as that can be for fans. It's, you know, I get frustrated too. I'm like, come on, give us something concrete, yeah. something, anything, anything concrete. And they, they're just not there yet. Um, but I think it makes a lot of sense to delay the draft, to delay the draft combine, all that kind of stuff, because you can't. And by doing so, you're giving yourself an opportunity to eventually have a conclusion to, to this current season. Uh, you don't do that. And then you create a whole host of issues. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think they're also coming to grips with the, the reality of starting the following season later. It's, it seems more and more likely that that's going to take place. So if you're starting the 2020 slash 2021 season on Christmas day, say, then you can have your draft combine and all that kind of stuff in September and your draft at the end of the month or something like that. And you're still fine. Yeah. I'm all for it, man. To start the season in uh, December, but People are listening. You're listening to Big Baby John's Sports Podcast. We got Trevor Lane, Alex Hines, and we're talking about uh, the NBA potentially coming back in June. So what's your thoughts about that, man? Do you think it's going to come back in June? I think it is, personally. Um, it's feeling, I mean, come back to actual game action. Yeah. Feels a little bit un- well, because they've got, they've already said that they need at least mm-hmm. three weeks. Yes. Right? They need three weeks of, of training to get going. Because if you don't do that, like even if you do that, you're still at, at risk. But if you don't do that, and you try to put you guys directly into game action after mm-hmm. all. I mean, like Quinn Cook is running running wind sprints. In yeah, his I've seen that. You know, like he did. Yeah, there's, seen no, that. there's no space in there. <laughs> no. Uh, Jared Dudley is on the elliptical, right? <laughs> Alex Caruso is just doing is just doing jump rope, right? I mean, they don't. Jason have Tatum said that so. he's not. He doesn't have access to a hoop, so he's just shooting around at home with exactly. nothing to do. But don't you think these players can at least order like a big basketball net or something and just shoot on that? At least you know get a workout in, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, some of them have figured out ways to get into gyms and places like that, that they can kind of wipe down Mm -hmm. um, to mitigate risk, but Mm -hmm. it's not like they have a training facility. So the concern with, with coming back in June is, are the guys ready, right? Mm -hmm. Are they ready to play? Are their legs, their bodies capable, you know, otherwise, if you're not prepared physically Mm -hmm. and you make a, you plant to make a cut and the next thing you know, something pops, right? That's, that's a big concern is injury. So they want to give them at least three weeks. So with that being the case and where we are at now uh, in the month of May, I'm looking more at July, but I guess mm-hmm. end of June, I guess could be, could be possible. Baseball just said that they're targeting July for mm-hmm. to come back. So that's cool. It's going to be weird without fans, man. And stands Bay at this point, I'm tired. Old school basketball games are cool to watch. The 2010 Laker championship. It's cool to watch, but I'd rather have live Laker basketball, man. I miss it, man. Cause Lakers have been, down the last six years. I want another championship behind me, man. I want the Lakers to win it for Kobe this year, man. Oh, sure, sure. But have you noticed uh, they've been playing the Korean Baseball League? I yeah, I've seen the that. K- the KBO. Mm-hmm. You've seen they, they pump in the crowd noises. Um, and then they have the, the kind of cut out fans and things like that. Like it to me, when I was watching that the first time, it took an inning or two before it clicked. And I realized, oh, wait, that's there shouldn't be crowd noises there because it sounded so natural. Um, I don't know. I kind of hope they do something like that to just kind of preserve as much of the the game atmosphere as they can, even if it's not authentic. See, that's what my thoughts were. I thought they would do something along the lines, like on every Jumbotron, right? You'd have fans kind of similar to what the NFL draft was. You'd have like a select group of fans from either team, right? 30 on each side, basically, Zoom chatting in, watching the game, and also providing that atmosphere. Granted, the players wouldn't be able to see the fans up top, but you could hear them filling up throughout the stadium and the fans could watch the games similar to what you would do on League Pass on their computer while they're on the call. It gives the fans an interest to be there. It gives fans a potential, like, some type of contest where you win the slot to actually be on the Jumbotron during the games, being one of those fans, right? 
So you're creating fan interaction. You're also creating player interaction. And you're getting people back into it. You're getting people interested. And you're getting the fans. I mean, you're getting you're giving the players exactly what they need, which is that fan part of the game. Yeah, yeah, that, that could be a cool feature for them to do. Uh, the only, only thing I, I can foresee is they would definitely have to have like a 10 second delay or anything like that, because otherwise yep. you would get you would get people flashing some inappropriate signs and, th- and things like that. But uh, but yeah, it would be interesting to see them them pull something like that off. Um, anything, anything to try to preserve as much of the atmosphere as possible, knowing that you can never get the true experience to be exactly the same. But, um, you know, anything you can do to, to try to bring as much normalcy as possible on for it. Uh, I know there's going to be no fans, but what does that do for the owners like Jeannie Buss? Is she going to be able to go to the games with her uh, workers or they got to be away from the stadium? Like, I wonder how that's going to affect the owners and stuff. Too, yeah, you know I, don't, I, mean? I don't know what that's going to look like just yet. I would imagine there's going to be some type of uh, mandate to try to keep the, the buildings as empty as possible. And that mm-hmm. may very well include owners as well. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you also have to think about, uh, you know, what kind of example is that setting if the owners do show up and they're there in person, even if they, they aren't absolutely necessary to be mm-hmm. there. So I would be a little bit surprised to see like an owner just sitting in the middle of the empty seats or, mm-hmm. or anything like that, um, just for, for that reason. But I guess you never know. We'll, we'll have to see what, uh, what approach they take there. I mean, you could, I could definitely see them having, if they're doing it like in Orlando and Vegas, like we said, I can mm-hmm. definitely see owners sitting in boxes, mm-hmm. which are far enough spread out apart you know, one at middle court on one side, the other one at middle court on the other side. So mm-hmm. you have each team's owner just present watching in a box, most likely watching from a television as opposed to actually looking down, you know. But them being there, I feel like that's something that players in a strange way need. It's some type of normalcy, right? You're not able to get the fans there, but if you can at least look up and see or at least know that an owner's up there watching, you know, that's something different that applies another level of normalcy to it, if you will. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely an argument for, for having that, especially if you can keep them completely separate from, uh, from the players, but we'll see. That's something the NBA has to figure out how, what do you do to try to minimize as much as possible the number of people that are in the building or in the so-called bubble right there. They've got to take a look at that and we'll see exactly where they draw the line. Yeah, man, it's going to be crazy, but uh, if the Lakers do not win the championship with LeBron, will that impact his legacy in your opinion? Uh, win a championship ever or yeah, like if, this? If, he, if he never wins a championship with the Lakers, will that impact his legacy? No, I think his, his legacy is, is already secured. It's already cemented. I think, I think what you're looking at now is almost like an extra credit situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like LeBron is LeBron. He's one of the greatest of all time. And, um, and the things that he's done are already set. You know, mm-hmm. if he, if he doesn't win with the Lakers and part of it is because this season gets canceled and mm-hmm. then next season he's 36, like uh, you can't mm-hmm. really fault him that much for, for those things. But, uh, if he does win a championship with the Lakers, if he brings number 17 uh, to L.A., I think that's only going to enhance his legacy that much more. So I, I see it as kind of a, a no-lose situation for him if uh, if things go down you know, the way that, that uh, we want and the Lakers win a championship, then great. He's going to be that much more of a legend. I don't think that it affects his legacy in terms mm-hmm. of with the Lakers, right? I think that's. I think there's something to be said about it. you have legacy overall, but then you also have legacy with the associations that you're with. Like his mm-hmm. legacy with the Heat cemented, his legacy with the Cavs for sure cemented. Mm-hmm. With the Lakers, it's the latter end of his career, and he's changing his game, so he's not the same LeBron that we've seen. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think, especially now that the last dance is out, and of course everyone's having that discussion. I hate it just because it's not worth. It's not worth the time and day to spend rehashing the subject. Same. Time and time again, you know, 
but I definitely do believe that there's something to be said about his overall legacy with the league because we still are bringing it up. LeBron's legacy, I do believe, will get affected overall if he does not win with the Lakers, but I won't hold it against him. I think that there's a clear distinction. It can affect his legacy, but that doesn't mean you actually have to hold it against him or pigeonhole him with that as being an almost an asterisk, you know? Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, look, if he, like, if he's able to win, I think that's going to make a huge difference. If he doesn't win, I don't think it takes that much away from it. I mean, there's going to be people on either side that are going to make arguments. Oh, you know, LeBron's uh, clearly he just destroyed his legacy by being with the Lakers and, and not winning. And there's going to, there's LeBron haters out there. There's people who love LeBron. There's people who, who are going to want him to, to succeed. But um, ultimately I think so much of his legacy is already secured. Like you mentioned, this is already kind of the tail end of his career, at least what we think is the tail. Who knows? Maybe he plays till he's 45 at this point. I'm not even convinced he's fully human. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to write anything off there, but, um, but look, if he does win with the Lakers, the big impact is going to be, you're right. Not just his overall legacy, but as far as the city of LA goes, uh, there is still, it's, it's definitely been diminished, but there's still kind of that counter element where people are a little bit wary of LeBron because there's still that holdover from the Kobe versus LeBron type stuff. Um, like it was probably 50, 50 when mm-hmm. LeBron first signed where some people weren't thrilled that he was going to be in LA and there's still people who, you know, anytime you mention something positive about LeBron, people jump in and say, he's not Kobe though. Um, I think winning a championship, I think would definitely go a long way towards submitting him as being a Laker and being accepted by the city, even though I'd say most of the city has accepted him at this point, but for, to get those remaining stragglers, I think winning a championship would go a long way. I have something for you on that. No, I said for me, if uh, LeBron doesn't win a championship with the Lakers, I'll be like, man, it was a fail. It was a complete failure because as fans, we're all about championship and banners. We don't play that. Oh, let's win 49 games, make the playoffs. Oh, it's a good season. Nope. We're all about rings and banners, man. If he doesn't win it, I'm just going to be like, didn't get it done. Let's keep it pushing. Let's bring in the next great player. You know what I mean? Go ahead, I have Alex. a hot take for both of you guys. Yeah. Okay. LeBron James is not the best small forward of all time. I already know what you're going to say. Larry Bird? 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. And no, that is not because I'm a Celtics fan. Mm-hmm. It's just based off of pure facts. Mm-hmm. LeBron James, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm diminishing LeBron James. No, right? you're, There's you're something not. to be said, like I said mm-hmm. before. I'm not diminishing what he has. Mm-hmm. But in comparison to Larry Bird, LeBron James has a body, a very gifted and talented body. He is a physical specimen that we've mm-hmm. never seen before in the league. We saw how Jordan was a physical specimen. We saw how Magic was a physical specimen at his position. Kareem, Jordan, Kobe in a way. If you're going to mention uh, Jordan, then you had to mention Kobe, right? But mm-hmm. LeBron is that, but the apex predator in terms of amazing physical physique for the game. Larry Bird didn't have that and still had better court vision, had the ability to score from all angles on the floor more consistently than LeBron has. And he also played in what I view in terms of the teams and the teams that he faced in the postseason, a much tougher era to actually play in. So with all that said, to me, Larry Bird is the greatest small forward of all time. Not to mention how you hear Magic Johnson talk about Larry Bird, his accolades, the fact that he was in uh, second in MVP voting for multiple years and then won MVP uh, three years straight and then was second in MVP voting the year that he lost, uh, the year after that. Larry Bird is the greatest small forward to ever pick up a basketball. Go ahead, Trevor. Uh, I mean, <laughs> like, 
I disagree, but I feel like I'm wearing an LA bronze shirt right <laughs> now. So like how, like, obviously, like I'm going to be, I'm going to come across as, as biased because, you know, I, I support the Lakers and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You have more insight than most people though. So it's a little different. Mm-hmm. What's that? You have more insight than most fans oh. and people in general do. So um, uh, I can already tell you, it's not biased. It's that you have insight more so than the average fan, the average NBA viewer and mm-hmm. most actual avid viewers and fans in general. So it's non-biased. Sure. And I try to, I try to remove bias as much as I, as I can, you know, I think that, and we've talked about this a bunch on, on my shows. Um, I think nostalgia is a very powerful thing. And I think that when we're looking back on players from previous years, you're, we're looking at them through, through that lens, that lens of, of these were our form. I mean, look, I love Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson is my favorite player of all time, but the way we look at some of these guys now, you go back and you watch a game or you watch an old Jordan game or something. And you're like, wait, Michael Jordan just missed. He missed a shot. We have this, like this perception that, okay, these guys were perfect. They're infallible. They never miss. They, they do everything, everything great. And we kind of, we can overlook their flaws because of how much we enjoyed them during that time. And so I, I think that can come into play a little bit when we're looking at our at guys from like the eighties versus today and everything. It's a, it's a very different game today than what we saw back then. I'm, I'm still very convinced that that LeBron James would have no problem playing in the 1980s just because he is so so physically strong. And I don't think you can you can just take that out of the equation. The fact that he is so big and strong, I think his his court vision is incredible. His court mm-hmm. vision is is the best of a lot of guys I've seen. I think he's the closest to Magic Johnson that we've seen in a long time because of his ability to to see the floor and pass the ball. I mean to become what I think is probably the best point guard in the league this season and uh, in switching positions at age 35 is pretty incredible. But, you know, when you look at, at what LeBron has done over the course of his career, the dominance that he's had, the physical tools that he's got, and then add that to the mental game that has, has only grown year after year after year. And you see how smart he is out on the floor. I mean, if you were to tell me, Hey, start a team today, like I'd have a hard time taking Larry bird over LeBron James, just, because of all those different elements of the game that the LeBron can bring, not to mention, you know, it's, it's not his game right now, but uh, he's been pretty good defensively this season, but there were years where he was an absolute lockdown defender. So you look on on that end of the floor too. I've, I've got to give the nod to, uh, to LeBron. I think that he's, I, I mean, I don't know if I want to say that he's the greatest ever, but he's, he's up there. I mean, he's, he's tough to deal with. That's for sure. Yeah. For me, man, I didn't watch Larry Bird back in the day because I was born in 1993 so my for me, my greatest of all time is Kobe. Kobe Bryant, love his game, love his demeanor on the court. He has a passion. I like LeBron, but I feel like sometimes LeBron doesn't have that Kobe Bryant, give me the ball, get out the way, I'm taking over. You know what I mean? I know a lot of LeBron fans mm-hmm. think I hate LeBron. Well, here's the thing. I didn't like LeBron because the whole Kobe and LeBron thing, he shut me up by coming back down 3-1. I was like, no, I got to respect this guy. You know, why would I hate on somebody? Greatness with us, us. Laker fans have to embrace LeBron, embrace greatness. You know, LeBron's father time's undefeated, man. So we just got to have – it is what it is. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, here's here's the thing. Like, that that gets thrown at him a lot, the whole killer instinct thing. Yeah. Are you the guy that's that's taking the big shot? Um, you know, I mean, hey, even Jordan passed the ball occasionally. I mean, he threw it to John Paxson, right? But yeah. uh, but there, it's just a different playing style. I mean, there's the the Kobe, the Jordan, that that style, the gunner, the I'm going to take the ball. And, you know, Shaq goes out against the Pacers in 2000, and I'm going to take every jump shot in overtime, and I'm going to lead the Lakers to, to victory, right? 
Um, that's that's that one mentality. And LeBron has shown he can do that, mm-hmm. right? He's done that a number of times in the, in the playoffs. He's did it against the Celtics, did it against the Pistons. Uh, but that's not necessarily the way he's wired. He's wired more, okay, I'm going to make the right basketball play. I'm going to I'm gonna drive baseline on one side, and I'm going to swing the pass to the other side to Danny Green, who's going to hit the three at the buzzer to send us into OT against the Mavs, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to make that that type of play. He's more, let me make sure that I make the right basketball play. And some people disagree with that. Some people would rather see a superstar that says, come hell or high water, I'm taking the shot. It's just a little bit different in terms of, of the approach. And I think there's pros and cons either way. I mean, hey, Damian Lillard going berserk and just and, and scoring 40 or 45 or 50 is a lot of fun when you're not playing against him. Uh, but personally, I, I love seeing a good pass too. So I understand you know, why LeBron plays the way that he does, and I've got an appreciation for it. I agree with that. I, I think that it's also just totally different players and aspects. And like you had mentioned against the Celtics and the Pistons, if you think about the teams he had at that time, with the Pistons in particular, against them, he had to take over. Mm-hmm. He had to. With the Heat, he didn't necessarily have to, but it definitely pushed them that much further, and it made him that much better for it. And he had to establish himself at that point as the apex predator on that team. Now, at this point in his career, he doesn't need to do that because he's never had a player in all respect to Dwayne Wade. Anthony Davis is another level talent at this point in his career. He's much younger than when uh, LeBron got to Dwayne Wade. He's much Mm -hmm. more versatile in so many different ways. He's that much bigger of a superstar, of a player, of a talent, and a problem for other teams to face. So they don't necessarily, or LeBron in particular, doesn't necessarily need to play the bully ball game or the I'm going to take over game. He has a lot of good, talented players around him to take that load off of his back. And also, he doesn't need to be that guy anymore in this career, at this point in his career, like we were saying. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that was kind of the benefit of constructing the roster that they did. Uh, the previous season, the Lakers went and grabbed Lance Stevenson and, and, you know, Michael Beasley and players like that. And, and LeBron just had no floor spacing this season. He's got floor spacing. He's got Anthony Davis that he can uh, throw the ball to, even though, you know, the offense for the Lakers definitely, it, it takes a big, big downswing when LeBron's not on the floor. And that's been a problem for them all season long. Uh, Anthony Davis hasn't been that, you know, hey, we need a bucket. LeBron's over on the bench, throw the ball to AD and he's going to go get something done. That hasn't really been his forte this season. Um, so that's been a little bit of a, of a challenge for him is to kind of still, you know, run the offense and take things over. But he has uh, he's managed to make the right play at the right time for the majority of the season and find open teammates. Um, and he still had opportunities when other guys get going to be able to step back, uh, even though it felt like it felt like those last, what, four five, six games at, right before we uh, cut things off. Mm-hmm. Man, LeBron really stepped up his game. We saw he took on the challenge against the Bucks, uh, against the Clippers. He's guarding Kawhi. It mm-hmm. felt like he was just starting to ramp things up, and then boom, somebody kicked the cord out of the wall, and the plague hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, it's crazy, man. But uh, um, Trevor Lane, Alex Hines, just want to say thank you guys for coming on. So, Trevor Lane, go ahead and give out your social media so they can follow you. Yeah, sure. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Trevor underscore Lane on Instagram. It's at Trevor Lane NBA. You can follow my work over on LakersNation.com, and most of my video stuff is at the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. All right, man. Thanks, you guys, for coming on. We'll talk soon, guys. Hey, thanks so much for having me.